بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمد ونصلي على رسول الكريم اما بعد ونبي سفيان صخر بن حرب رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تلحفوا في المساله فوالله لا يسالني احد منكم شيئا فتخ فتخرج له مسالته مني شيئا وانا له كاره فيبارك له فيما اعطيته رواه مسلم ونبي عبد الرحمن اوف بن مالك الاشجعي رضي الله تعالى عنه قال كنا عند رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم تسعه او ثمانيه او سبعه فقال الا تبايعون رسول الله وكنا حديثي عهد ببيعه فقلنا قد بايعناك يا رسول الله ثم قال الا تبايعون رسول الله فبسطنا ايدينا وقلنا قد بايعناك يا رسول الله فعلى ما نبايعك قال على ان تعبد الله ولا تشرك به شيئا وصلوات الخمس وتطيع واسد كلمه خفيه ولا تسال الناس شيئا فلقد رايت بعض اولئك النفر يسقط صوت احدهم فما يسال احدا يناوله اياه رواه مسلم continue the hadith which we began the discussion yesterday abu sufyan sakhar ibn har radiyallahu ta'ala narrated rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said do not persist in asking i take an oath upon Allah that none of you will ask me anything persistently thereby his asking causes me to give him something whilst I dislike doing so and then there would be barakah and blessings in that which I have given him the point which we alluded to towards the end of yesterday's discussion was the importance of giving charity with a good heart giving charity with a happy heart because if you look at the converse meaning of this hadith what is rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam telling us that if you compel me to give you something and i am not happy at heart in giving it to you then automatically allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove the barakah and the blessing of whatever was given so there won't be any barakah and blessings in that there won't be any real reward in it there won't be any khair and barakat in it so for there to be barakah blessings in what we give this is a very very important etiquette don't look down upon the beggar don't have nafrat or dislike in one's heart for that person these are all the avenues by which whatever khairat and charity you are doing is going to the door to its barakah its acceptance is going to close if there isn't the happiness of the heart it has to be the happiness of the heart in fact we find our kabirin aslaf they used to give in such a manner that they would tell that person that i am indebted to you i am indebted to you because in fact whatever i am giving you you are now my porter and you are going to return it to me in jannah so you are the one who is carrying my burden for me right till akhirat so in fact i am not doing you a favor you are doing me a favor and i am indebted to you so this mindset because there are multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of benefit in sadaqa and in khairat currently we are in a situation where we fear falling ill whoever you turn to people are worried i don't want to become sick i can see what's happening to others what did rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam say dawu mardakum bi sadaqa he said treat your sick with sadaqa in other words better than any medical ilaj you're going to take is sadaqa 
So this is such an effective tool, not only of the propagation of Islam, of the akhlaq of Islam, etc. And there are multitudes of benefits, so very, very important, my respected brothers, when we give, give with a good heart. Give with a happy heart. And very, and even more important than that, don't look down upon the person that you are giving. Don't have any negative thoughts or emotions towards that person. Don't formulate your opinions, he's a con job, he's like this, he's like that, Who, why, look at how he's carrying on. How he can, these, Allahu Akbar, this is where the effort that shaitan makes upon us to destroy the neki and the good that we are doing. With regards to asking, we find in this hadith, Rasulullah wasallam said, do not become persistent. That is the person that is in need. First of all, we are reading it in every rakat of every salah. This verse of the Qur'an we read in every rakat of every salah. In fact, Rasulullah said, La salata illa bi fatihatil kitab. There is no salah without surah fatiha. Salah is not made. So in every rakat of every salah, and this is why this muzakira we should keep making, ponder over surah fatiha. What were we saying? Iyaka na'bud wa iyaka nasta'in. Iyaka na'bud, Ya Allah, only you we worship. Ya Allah, only you we worship. And secondly, every rakat of every salah, we are saying this to Allah. Ya Allah, when I am in a problem, when I am in a difficulty, when I face a trial, when I face a challenge, when there is some hardship, when there is some test, when there is some tribulation, I will ask only you for help. So begging technically breaks down this principle because we are supposed to only ask Allah, not ask from insan, not stretch our hands out. But like we mentioned, previously sometimes circumstances conspire against the person and he feels compelled or he's, he's challenging circumstances, he feels he needs to stretch his hand out. In that instance, Allama Ghazali rahimahullah mentions that asking will only be permissible when three conditions are met. The first of these conditions which Allama Ghazali rahimahullah mentions, he says that the one who is asking has to maintain his self-dignity and respect. To put it crudely, don't prostitute yourself. Don't humiliate yourself. If you are in a problem, you are asking somebody, you need something, do it in a manner where you keep your self-respect. Do it in a manner where you maintain your dignity. Don't patronize the person. These are very, very important principles of the akhlaq and conduct of a Muslim. The second condition which Allah Ghazali rahimahullah mentions is do not become persistent as we find in this hadith. La tulhifu fil mas'ala. Rasulullah said, don't keep, ask, you asked, you had a problem, you needed help from somebody, you asked him one time, that's it. Don't keep asking. Don't put him in a situation where you compel him now to assist you because of your relationship, because there will not be barakah in that. If he helps you, let him help you with a good heart. So it's important that we do not persist when we ask somebody. And the third, do not inconvenience the one who is asked. Don't put him in a situation, as we mentioned previously, don't put him in a situation where you are compelling him and he puts himself in a problem because of your relationship with him. The next hadith, the narrator is a sahabi, Abdurrahman Auf bin Malik Ash-Sha'i radiallahu ta'ala anhu, regards to some background of the sahabi, this was a sahabi who carried the standard that is the flag of his tribe in Khaybar and also in Fatimakkah. In other words, Rasulullah appointed him as the leader of his tribe. 
Abu Abdurrahman Auf bin Malik Ashtai radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He resided in Syria where he passed away 67 ahadith are narrated from the Sahabi. He's an Ansari Sahabi and he says that Kunna inda Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that on one occasion we were sitting with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we were nine or eight or seven in number. I can't remember exactly. This is what the Sahabi is saying. We were either seven or eight or nine of us sitting with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All of a sudden Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Will you not take bay'at? Bay'at, literally we translated, plead an oath of allegiance. This was a sunnah in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, those that would accept Islam. Thereafter they would take bay'at. They would place their hand in the hand, that is for the men. They would place their hand in the hand of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and would pledge an oath on certain aspects, normally the basic fundamentals of deen. They would plead allegiance to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that they will adhere to these things. This concept of bayad itself is something that requires a great deal of detail. We're not going to go into that now because it's not pertinent to the subject matter that we are discussing. But many, many ahadiths prior to this we would have heard of this reference of it where Sahaba took bayad and oath upon the hands of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The very famous bay'at is what we call bay'atul ridwan, which is, we find mentioned in the Qur'an also, لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ Allah Dalla says, we are happy with the believers, that is the Sahaba, the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and they took an oath underneath the tree, referring to the incident which occurred at the time of Hudaybiyah. Nevertheless, coming back to the subject matter of this hadith, all of a sudden Nabi Sallallahu told us, Allah to buy Rasulullah. Will you not take an oath of allegiance on the hands of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Abdurrahman Malik, Abdurrahman, Abu Abdurrahman Auf bin Malik Ashari radiallahu ta'ala makes a significant observation. What is the observation? He says, this surprised us that Nabi Sallallahu made such a request. Why? Just recently, not long ago, we had already taken bay'at from Rasulullah What was he referring to? He was referring to bay'atul aqaba. Bay'atul aqaba is the bay'at which the Ansar, 72 of them, 70 men, two women, Ummimani, Ummi Amara radiallahu anhun, took in Mina in aqaba, which formed the foundation of hijrah to Medina Munawara. So referring to that, he said we had just taken bay'at to Rasulullah and now all of a sudden Nabi Sallallahu is asking us will you not take bayat so he says فَقُلْنَا قَدْ بَيَعْنَا كَيَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ Ya Rasulullah we already took bayat we already pleaded an oath of allegiance to you referring to that bayat one very important lesson we learn from this we learn about the majlis of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam today nowadays mashallah if a sheikh senior alim etc. comes when we sit in his company you'll find everyone mashallah got a lot of tawazu and humility look right down in fact they don't look up at all and they feel it is khilaf of the shan of that personality that you should even speak these type of practices we can't find them in seerah 
in the majlis of Rasulullah wasallam, there wasn't this level of takalluf that sahaba were so afraid to speak. Nabi wasallam encouraged them to speak their minds and their hearts. When they sat, they sat with happiness, they sat with ease. There wasn't this tightness. Now we, we observe, sometimes our kabirin from India, Pakistan come, our shuyukh of tabligh, etc. We'll find some of our satis, they, they go into a shell, when they sit in, almost as if they elevate that person to some, some level that they should not be. He's insan also. Yes, you keep the respect. But that does not mean that you cannot be free in that majlis or in that gathering or you should be over-conscious about yourself. This, this is what we call, ulama refer to, they say this is takallufate ajam. This type of takalluf comes not from the Arabs, from the non-Arabs. If you look amongst the Arabs, this type of takalluf is not there. If you look in Sira, this type of takalluf is not there. Sabi speaks his mind. Nabi Salaam said, Take Allah to Bayuna Rasulullah. What it should have been. This is the Rasul of Allah. This is the greatest human being that was ever created. After Allah, this is the final word. Where is it even conceivable that they would have the guts to say that Ya Rasulullah, we just took bear. Why are you asking us to take bear? But this is the type of informality which Nabi Salaam encouraged in his majlis. He didn't want Sahaba to behave where they could not speak their hearts and their minds. So this is a very important lesson that we learn of the etiquette of the majalis of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So he says, Qad bayana kya we just took bear. Why is it that you are asking us to take bear? So in case we run out of time, we'll continue inshallah.